Ronald Chestnut. Welcome to the Run With Chestnut podcast. This is a fun episode because I'm extra energized. You know why, guys, Simon and Angie? Moment of silence. Yes, really do. They don't know why. Yes, do. It's because I just ran a 5K. It was my first 5K of the year. Uh, it's only like the first couple days of the year, but it's fine. It's the first 5K of the year. We'll talk all about that in a second. But today's episode is all about how do we run with a running guide. We, Andrew, Simon, and I are visually impaired, low vision, blind, however you want to call it. And we have a way that we run with people in a questionably safe way. And we're going to tell you guys about it today, along with some of our favorite memories while running tethered. Questionably, you say? What's up, Simon? Questionably. Questionably. Well, well, listen, listen, listen. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. Um, I feel like we had some questionable guiding experiences. Anyway, today, as y'all heard before from the moment of silence, joining me on this episode is Simon and Andrew, who are holding up the mic in the next room over from me. What's up, guys? Not much. All right, y'all sound really tired. No. I am very full. Andrew's full. <laughs> he just had a massive bowl of rice and some salmon. Yes, uh, and... Simon, I don't know what he ate. <laughs> a very... Never mind. Okay, Simon had something that he doesn't want to talk about. I had a banana, and I am really hungry. So if I speak very quickly, it's because the faster I talk, the faster I can get my thoughts out, which means the faster I can get more food. So, Simon, actually, no, Andrew, tell me, how do you run with someone, Andrew? The correct way, obviously. (laughs) interesting Uh, so uh yes basically explain what tethering is (laughs) generally generally speaking when you uh when uh you run with someone who has a visual impairment you run with a tether a tether can be anything that uh links two people together whether that be a piece of rope or um a shoelace or anything along those lines it has to be uh mainly has to be flexible it has to be uh, and you have to have to be able to hold on to it, like each person hold on holds on to an end of it. <clears throat> so uh, I remember when I first started out with Achilles, the go-to initiate tether for most people was: Do you have a plastic bag? Well, you can use a plastic bag. Plastic bag is totally good. It wasn't until several months later that I realized plastic bags are not preferred; they are simply the initiate initiation tool for most people. Because who doesn't have who didn't have a plastic bag back then? I will say, though, let me interrupt you real quick. First of all, running with a plastic bag, classic. Like Everyone needs to do it their first time. Uh, Second of all, there is a hierarchy to plastic bags, right? Like the level, like the lowest level is the street, the street cart, you know, sort of disposable bags that kind of like, you know, disintegrate the moment you look at them. I'd argue that the common people rule over the uh, ruling class, but sure, continue. Yeah, yeah. and the, like the high, the next level is like a Dwayne Reed bag or like a you know something something slightly more quality, and then the highest level plastic yeah. bag is like a Zabar's bag or you know Whole Foods back when they had plastic or you know something heavy yeah. duty. That's like that's like the you've reached the pinnacle of plastic bag tethers. Mm-hmm. I then brought an Apple bag once, and that didn't really work. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so continue, Andrew. But yeah, so um, when you don't want a plastic bag, because <laughs> there are things better than plastic bags, apparently, you can bring stuff like a, a lanyard or a shoelace or um, 
my parents did the unspeakable and pulled out the string from a hoodie and tied that into several loops and called out each other. I never wore a hoodie again. But uh, suffice it to say that this is one way people tether is by having this loop of string, this loop of wire that you can hold onto or tie it around your wrist. Some guys even like to like link their arm through it and basically put all the pressure on their elbow, which is a little questionable, but whatever makes them comfortable. And um, that is mainly the tether I use. Though I hear there are some schools of thought out there that there might be an even better way to tether. <laughs> well, let me let me tell you. Um, so I don't know if it's better or not. Um, but the, the way that I like to run is, so Andrew just, just described a hand tether, right? And so mm-hmm. I uh, am in the process right now of training new guides for Achilles. And so we always start people off with hand tethers because it's a little, it's easier to learn how to do it. Um, it takes less training to know how to do it. Um, and more people use it. Like more, more uh, blind people are, are familiar with a hand tether. Um, but the way that I like to u- do uh, is a waist tether. So it's basically two race belts or two, you know, loops that go around one around my waist, the other loop around my guide's waist. And then there's a bungee or some sort of rope that connects uh, one waist to the other. And so I like that better because you're able to have a, a much more free arm swing. You're not holding onto anything in your hand. So you have your hands free. You can mess with, you know, your watch or your gloves or whatever it is. Um, and I, I definitely like it. I, I can run faster with it. Um, also, my upper body gets a lot less tense when I use it. Um, you do have to be a more mentally aware, though, because you're, you're, the, the chance of falling, tripping and falling, is higher with a waist tether, especially for those who are totally blind like I am. Um, so, yeah, that's generally it. Simon, do you have anything else to add to that? Well, I could just say that my upper body always gets tense, especially almost towards the end when I run. Uh, so I'm con- I may consider running with a waist tether, but... Yeah. Um. One thing I think uh, both of you guys, you sound kind of quiet. So if you can like talk a oh. little more into it. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's like a world difference. Sure. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect, Andrew. Um. Cool. So that's the that's just like a general general thing of of tethers, right? Now, I, I feel like with most of us, right, the best way to learn is through experience. And what's the best way to depict, you know, tethering and running, other than describing some of our experiences? So. I'm going to let you guys think about this and I'll tell a really quick one and then I'll let how about Simon go first. Um, basically, try to think of a time that you were running, you know, tethered, that is just notable. Either something happened or I don't know, just, just some, some story you want to tell that you think people would find interesting. And so okay. my really short one while the two of them think uh, is basically to reinforce the need to pay attention when you're using a waist tether. Because this was um, this was like a couple years ago, maybe two years ago, or la- no, no, it was last uh, yeah, two years ago. Anyway, um, I was running with a guide who I've run with multiple times before, right? And he's a ex- very experienced guy, older guy, um, has run with many, many people, and so like super notch guy, right? But he had never run with a waist tether before, and so he didn't know about the necessity to pay attention about you know. So the thing with the waist tether is you as a guide cannot drift too far in front of the athlete because if you do that, the tether will pull the pull you two together and your legs will sort of you know trip up and one of you will end up falling and, and eating concrete. So you have to maintain awareness of where each other, you know, where y'all are. Uh, 
we were we were perfect you know it was almost to the end and right at the finish line he was like all right let's go you know he like picked it up the, the pace and like sprinted at the finish without telling me that he was going to do that and normally if you're using a hand tether you can kind of feel it and go but i didn't feel it because you know there's nothing connecting our hands right so it's at the waist and so he takes off i don't realize i feel a tug on the tether next thing i know his left foot comes you know is like tripped up with my right leg and he basically face plants right in front of the finish line oh, no. in front of all the crowds people che- it was like everyone just went silent for a second and then, but he popped back up and like we, we crossed it. it was fine but yeah so little little reinforcement that you know attention is needed anyway simon you, want- you got one no i do not you have so nothing that's okay so that's, what, that's what happens to john to john's face uh Good story, Jessica. Good story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm kind of curious who that is now, but yeah, yeah. Go I, w- ahead, I would like to emphasize that um, what a, what is it with the waist tether? You're you don't feel the tug nearly as much. Uh, this coming from the person who used the waist tether like once to walk in a circle, but um, let's see. My story is a bit less spectacular. We um, who was it? Man, I should really remember the name of who this was, but um, as someone who I ran with frequently, and because we ran so frequently, and this was back in the early days when I was beginning to get over my midlife crisis that plastic bags were not the end-all, be-all of tethers. So trying to remember to bring a tether each time uh, was surprisingly difficult for me. And at one point, eventually, they came that day when I didn't bring a tether and nobody else had a tether they could lend me. So I'm searching through my bag thinking, should I use my earphone wire? Should I use this uh, spare cell phone charger wire I have in here? What could possibly work? And um, I end end up pulling up, if I remember correctly, uh, a long sleeve t-shirt. And... I showed it to my guide and he said, well, if we really don't have anything else, I'd rather use my t-shirt. So hence really we funny. ran, we ran four miles, uh, with a shirt and it got a little stretched out. And, uh, at a certain point, I think he started like wrapping it around his arm so that it wouldn't be so long. So yeah. we could be close together. And so actually you ran with his your, movements. your long sleeve shirt? No, his long sleeve shirt. Oh, so, okay. yeah, Damn. we ran like that. And, uh, you must have been cold. No, no, uh, this was in the summer actually. So, oh, okay. um, but yeah, point point being that got a little sweaty. Uh, was pretty sure his sweater was a little stretched out, but you know, it, it ended well enough. Yeah, man, I, I will say so, Simon. Uh, hopefully, you can think of another one. But while you do, I'll, I'll I'll come up with another one. And I'm noticing a theme here is like you know, at least a theme with mine is like the illustrating that yes things could go wrong but it's you know it's it's really not a big deal so this one again i'm running with so this is a different guy um again super experienced right really good runner guided dozens and dozens of different athletes multiple times um we're trying to do we're doing a 10k and like it, it's at a good pace right like this is our first mile of the 10k no first half mile this is like right across the start line and people are just bunching up because there's like so many slower people in front of us because, you know, like if they're unranked, you can sort of choose like where you start. And most people sort of overestimate where they should start. And so the, the beginning of any of these like big city races is you basically dodging around a bunch of people trying to like cut through. Right. And so 
this first, the beginning of the first half mile, we're running at a, like a good pace, probably, I mean, definitely like below six thirties or something. And he's like, all right, there's no way we can get through these crowds. We have to like duck out sort of on the side and just run past all of them. Right. Like on, on the lane that technically you're not supposed to go on. And so we cut out real quick and I like run straight into a mat, like a five foot tall traffic cone. And like it clips my entire body and it's fine because I mean, it's a cone, right? So I just like plow it over and we keep running, but it like, it made a massive sound. It like basically flew to the other side of the road and like rolled down the road. (laughs) And it just kind of shows like, you know, obviously he was super apologetic, but like that can happen. Right. And I feel like if you're a new guide and that happens to you, you're like traumatized. Right. Cause you're just like, Oh my God, I just ran a blind person into a, you know, a a five foot tall cone with a flag on it. Um, but I think that's I just mean, a good, yeah. Yeah. I mean, slamming your leg into something is never pleasant the first time, but I think as blind people, as we grow used to it, um, it's much less of a deal. And it's definitely more of a shock value to it. Right. Right. And obviously yeah. like this doesn't mean go out and do it all the time, like on purpose, but like things happen and you just kind of move on, you know, and what's the alternative is like, you don't try. Right. So <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty funny. I, I, I like giving him crap about this too, because like, Again, he's a very experienced guide, right? He's guided many people. And yet I can say he ran me into a cone. So <laughs> that's a pretty funny time. A spot on the spotless record. Exactly. A spot on the spotless <laughs> record. Simon, you got anything? I really don't. Like, Damn, bro. All you the need guides, to get out more. All the guides I ran with were good. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't have anything. Maybe you're just not, like, challenging their, their This right their here, speed. fellas. This, th- this right here is an uh, example of prime... Uh, safety. Simon has had a safe life, therefore a very boring life. Uh, <laughs> safe but boring. Thanks. Yeah. Straight, he goes to work from nine to five. Comes home to his two point five children. White picket fence. <laughs> two point wow. five. Yeah, no, the only interesting story was triathlons. But and when when it comes to running, no. All right. Well, we'll, we'll got to get you running faster races then. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Real quick then, before we end, do you all have? How about each of you? Give me one tip that you would give someone, a blind person or a visually impaired, or even a guide, uh, if they've never done it before. What's like the biggest tip you can give them? Simon, you want to start? Um, I guess I would just say um, run with other people who have guided. So run with like a group. That could help. So, so like to, to learn from more experienced yeah, people. Yeah. Okay. Andrew, you got some? Uh, I would say my tip is that, um, if you know yourself pretty well, you should run when you run with a, with a hand tether, the amount of drag or the amount of force that the other person's exerting to drag you should be in direct conjunction to how much you like to suffer. That's so, a very, yes, that's a good point. <laughs> so we had someone who really liked to challenge us and push us past our limits and uh, he's around with all three of us, but like, uh, basically, I remember those runs near the end of each of them. It was just him saying, "You can't slow down during a run. You have obviously have to go faster." And he's just dragging me up and down the hills. And I remember shouting. dry heaving actually. My yeah. First so time Simon said he couldn't remember a single story, but I'm going to tell him a story for him. Uh, so this is our, our we, 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 his nickname is Coach Agony, apparently. Um, I didn't but, know the story <laughs> counted, but okay. It's running, isn't it? So It's running, but it's like the only reason I didn't tell it is because it has nothing to do with like what happened with 
in terms of a guiding problem. It was more of like a. It kind of does. Mm-hmm. It kind of does. So so check it out. Well, um, okay. Simon does a half marathon. Um, Simon's <laughs> a little on the slower side. This coach, let's so oh, talk about this guy. He, this he, you're talking about the half marathon. Well, oh, listen, okay. and you'll you'll know, man. Right. Um, he managed to run faster than me. The coach is basic, like it, so. It takes work to run slower than a normal slower pace, right? So you have like a range of paces, and anything lower than your lower range, like it might sound stupid, like oh, how can it take more work to run slower? But like it actually does, right? You have a sweet spot where if you go anything slower than that, it actually like consumes more energy. Because so, more like jumping practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this guy who was guiding Simon, and I've done all my marathons with this guy, he, he ran with Simon, and I'm guessing that Simon's pace was way below his slower pace. So he was just like, like it was, you know, I mean, it wasn't challenging, but he like was it, was, it wasn't fun. And so he was just like, I'm done, right? So he just started pulling Simon. And he basically pulled Simon for a whole half marathon, like 13.1 miles, right? Basically like tugging, because <laughs> Simon used a hand tether, right? So... Yep. This this coach guy, pull, like with his hand, pulled the tether. Simon's just like hanging on, trying to trying to run. Um, it wasn't for the whole half marathon. I was doing pretty well for like the first six. Sure, buddy, sure. So he basically told me because he was also we were training for the full marathon. He and I, and so he told me that the most sore that he was ever, including all the 20, 20, 22 mile long runs, including the full marathon that this guy and I did, he said the most sore he ever was was his whole like right side of his body after running to half with Simon, because, like, it's basically, you know, like, an hour or two, whatever, of, like, his body rotation, like, trying to, like, tugging Simon with his right, you know, so, like, basically right arm, you know, right back, left hip, like... Extra strain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, there's, like, there's a guy, there's a different type of guiding story for you. Oh, yeah. I was in a lot of pain. Yeah, I'd like Simon to point out that it paid off, though, because Simon uh, got to the finish line two minutes ahead of me that is very for true. his one and only half marathon. Yeah. So, uh, was it one and only? Oh, yeah, it was one and only. Yeah. It cool. was one and only finished one. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. All right. Let's see. Uh, biggest tip I would give is uh, not to worry about getting it perfect, right? Because, like, you're not going to get it perfect the first time. And I feel like a lot of people are hesitant to do it because they're worried about the unknown. And honestly, like, especially if you start in a safe way and you start slowly and you over communicate, right? Cause it's always better to over communicate than under communicate, over communicate, like speak everything. But as long as you just start slow, like just go for it. You know, what's the worst that'll happen? It'll you'll just kind of start laughing and look like idiots. Like it's, it's going to be fine. You know? So I would just, just go for it. No worries. YOLO, you know, and all that. Put in the hashtag, post it on it, post it on the grams. Um, that's about it. Cool. Anything else to add, guys? No. Um, cool. Well, I'm gonna go cook some food because after that 5k I just ran, uh, I am very hungry. And that's about it. You want to talk more about your 5k or no? The Um, 5k that took you a whole hour to run. Gosh, so uh, such a long run, man. It was actually an hour and a half. You want, you, want, you want to say, you know, who you ran um, with? Yeah, well, I could brief. So we're going to have Joe on, on an episode coming up very soon. Um, but like a two-second preview, Joe, our buddy, all over, we all know him, Joe Park. He was on The Bachelorette. And today I got to run a 5K with Joe and Tasha and Zach, who are The Bachelorette. And, you know, the, what, do you, what, do we, what do we call him? The, hus- the fiancé the of The Bachelorette. The yeah. Bachelorette Consort. Bachelorette fiancé. 
we got to, so we ran a 5k with them and some of their friends um and like a pr crew and stuff um so so that was pretty fun that was pretty fun meeting them like you know we followed it on tv we did a podcast episode about watching the bachelorette uh which is a few episodes ago so but um yeah that's about it uh we will talk more about it when we actually have joe on the podcast i told them when i get back from colorado we'll uh, hit him up and you know do all that so until then anything else to add guys no. Nope. All right. Hit us up on social media at Run with Chestnut. Leave us a five star rating and review, and we'll all catch y'all next time. See you guys. See ya. Run away. Run away.